0: All right. Okay, folks, uh,
1: welcome to this is the the beginning of this section on uh, an open class section on CS Lewis, the four loves and gender. And as people are signing on and as we want to kind of have an open discussion. I wanted to figure out just a little teaser exercise that I thought would be kind of fun uh while we're uh wait, waiting for everything to kind of begin. Yeah, th- thank you Takako there. Uh it, we we, uh, we are going to be recording this session and so you want to think about how you want to present yourself in conversation. I'll touch on that in a couple of minutes. But what I wanted to do <laughs> was kind of a funny exercise. I'm going to share my screen here. Um yeah, let's go. Let's actually do this. I'm going to share uh, this document, uh, this this box here. Hopefully this works uh, for everybody, that you can see my, uh, my Word uh, document. Um, it's waiting for the screen here. And what I have, actually that's totally not working. What I'm going to do is change that and share, monitor one, there we go. So what I'm going to do for right now is uh, do kind of a little fun exercise where I take the transcription of C.S. Lewis and the Four Loves and just look up a word that kind of caught my imagination while I was, while I was listening to it, re-listening to the lectures uh, that, uh, that were available. And uh, the the word that kind of caught my mind was the word thousand. Um, And so (laughs) I I I think uh, this is kind of an interesting word, and I'm curious about how uh, Lewis uses it. Um, For example, he says uh, thousands of people have lived and died without knowing it. Here we're talking about eros versus storge. Um, Eros being erotic love, storge being kind of family love. It's interesting. um, uh, Thousands of people have died. Like uh, I wonder what kind of Concept he has of the world that he imagines the past as thousands of people It's kind of an intriguing thing if you think about it um, and and uh, and here he's talking about uh, You know uh, 900 of each thousand will have had what we ha call friends, but not necessarily um, What he calls filial love, which is a little bit deeper. Okay, so that's fine So his concept of the world in the past uh, the people that have lived and died is thousands So that's kind of interesting. Let's keep going. What else do we have? Um you know, the public opinion of a group may be tiny, but it matters more than the opinion of 10,000 outsiders. That's kind of an interesting concept, isn't it? You know, your friends uh, will always matter more than that. That's kind of a neat thing. And then this famous phrase of Lewis's, every knot of friends is thus a resistant movement. That's a pretty cool quote, great quotable moment that's there. Okay, what else does he say about thousands? Uh, This is, This is amazing. Thousands of generations of our ancestors were married off in early youth to partners chosen by their parents with whom they were not in love and this is, this is one of my favorite moments dozens of them were good people and kept their vows I mean, think about the the scope of that right you know we've got thousands of people that have had this experience in history of being married uh through fixed marriages and thousands of them were, were good people and kept their vows and dozens were good people and kept their vows i, I would hope that marital fidelity is a little higher than a say you know one in twelve chance Just, just I'm hoping historically that it's a little bit higher than that Uh, what else do we have for thousands Um, you know I hear we're talking about a scriptural moment and thousands of people uh, are have this particular uh, scriptural kind of reading so that's that's kind of interesting Um, he means that just generally I think that's the public view in a lot of people's minds you know, and uh, and then here he talks about Anna Karenina and Vronsky and, and Tolstoy's novel, uh, you know, the classic novel, uh, you know, about love and you know f- infidelity and and kind of the loss of self that takes place uh, in in the throwing oneself in, into that kind of moment, uh, and then uh, he talks about dangers are averted by thousands of couples. Again, I don't know uh, who these thousands of couples are. Um, uh um and then uh, i want to give uh um this one last moment here um a thousand miles for lewis is kind of like the end of the world um, you know, he's talking about making himself safe. He's talking about making sure that there's no risks in his life, uh, making sure that you know all the choices that he makes are safe choices. That he's never taking a risk beyond himself. He's not throwing himself down. He's not stepping out too far. That the safest bet for him is the uh, the, the low interest safe loan. Uh, and yet, of course, he says, when I I feel this, I, I I'm not. When I say I want to avoid all suffering, I know that I'm not saying the best thing i'm just talking about me Uh, when i respond to this natural appeal i feel myself to be a thousand miles away from the spirit of christianity Um, if i'm certain of anything i'm sure that christ did not teach in order to confirm my congenital preference for safe investment Um, so 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 anyway so i thought just because we have a bit of a controversial topic uh, tonight um uh, that we want to talk about the four loves and gender c.s lewis know writing um, 60 years ago uh, a, t- a text that we're gonna dig out and talk about a little bit I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to make fun of him just a wee bit um, and, um, uh, and 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 uh, kind of qualify it already we have a couple of great comments here when um, uh, uh, Lewis probably didn't feel confident enough to say millions and I actually actually did a a text search and he rarely uses millions in any of his uh uh, talks he tends to use thousands uh and occasionally a a thousand thousands is is maybe how a british person in 1950 would say uh, a million and then uh um, someone else says thousands seems appropriate as a quantifier for uh, you, you know someone who's a medievalist, right? And that's interesting, right? You know, uh, One of the few times that Lewis said the word million when he was talking about one astronomer who thought the sun was like 127 million miles away. This is a medieval astronomer. So uh, so there we go. All right, okay, so I want to just, we're just having a little fun to get going and then we'll kind of dig into some of the more difficult bits or some of the queries we have uh, in this conversation. But I wanted to kind of set a few contextual rules. So that we're all kind of playing uh, in the same game here Um, my name is Brenton Dickinson I'm a professor at uh, uh, Signum University a a preceptor and lecturer in particular in the class CS Lewis and mythologies of love and sex a class that we wanted to open up our doors on for kind of one night and see who wants to come in and peek uh, uh, to you know to to your own peril I'm sure and so uh, what we wanted to do in opening this up though is also kind of protect ourselves a little bit we are recording this class and so tonight you are totally welcome uh, in order to, to use um, um, a pseudonym if you like and to do that sim- simply when you when you go into the question box you simply put like a different name at the beginning of your conversation so if you're going to be say Thor as your pseudonym um, as, as one might do uh, you just put Thor and then colon and then your comment and I'll do my best to call you Thor even then I will only be using um, um, the first names uh, as we go through the conversation tonight uh, the names that show up first and some of those may actually be pseudonyms and how you showed up Uh, so you're welcome to kind of be anonymous in this conversation I'm also going to take another kind of risk in actually open up your microphones and uh, have you self mute them but allow you to actually speak and share your voice and your thoughts by using the hand raising um, Feature. This is underneath the, the participants box in your go-to webinar dashboard. And if you want to chat, you simply just raise your hands, and I will get there. And I have Professor Gabriel Schenk uh, is uh, sitting quietly. Do you want to just say hello, uh, Gabriel? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll
2: just say yeah. hello to everyone. Uh, you can't see me, but um, I'm here, and I'm just a kind of wingman, I suppose, if that's the right term. I'm just a, a kind of a co-panelist. Um, keeping a track of the comments. So uh, do not be afraid to write loads and loads of things because uh, my job is just to read everything and just to make sure that uh, uh, Brenton uh, hasn't missed anything. Um, So I might pop in at times. I might have opinions on some of the things as well. I might uh, butt in with my own um, opinions, but um, you might also hear me just say, oh, Brenton, I think you might have missed this point. Uh, But we'll see how we go
1: yeah excellent and that's precisely what we wanted and the only way that Gabriel can uh, get in is if he speaks there's no kind of hands up for him uh, so as part of that I'm about to un I'm about to unmute everyone so just get ready if you happen to be like in a coffee shopper or or, you know um you're taking care of children or uh you're like a traffic cop you know and and you're just listening to this you know on your iphone then then you'll probably want to remute yourself um let me just see where we go so i'm about to unmute everybody so just go ahead and uh, remute yourselves if you would like to do so and actually i would like generally for people to keep themselves muted and then, uh, and you're going to hear all kinds of interesting things in the next minute as we work this out. Um, and then, uh, what will happen is, if you want to speak, you just kind of raise your hand. Um, unlike Gabriel, who will just kind of shout out. And then, uh, and then when you're uh, ready to speak, I'll recognize you. Just say your your first name. Um, uh, and, and then we'll go from there um, so once again uh, this is uh, recorded uh, so do um, uh, do feel free to engage well but just you know feel free to engage pseudonymously if you if you want um, if you want that uh, and uh, um, and I'm looking at the conversation questions here and we're gonna be looking at the, the hands-up question box and so I'm gonna be trying to hold this all together uh, tonight okay so what we want out of this conversation what do we want out of this conversation well I mean this is a a wee bit of a challenging book to deal with the four loves is uh, a a great lecture series and a book a series of talks that Lewis did CS Lewis did and 1958 he did the talks and the book came out a couple of years later Uh, and uh, um, what he wanted to do is um uh what he wanted to do was uh, basically capture um uh four loves that uh the concept of four loves and these four loves are simply um storge um which is affection familial love philia, which is friendship love arrows which is erotic love, and then an agape, which he calls the Christian love or divine love, but uh, I've expanded um, in, in my class to think of as self-sacrificial love. So that's what he wanted to, to kind of do to capture those, um, those different ideas of love and, uh, and then talk about them. And there was a book that he had kind of had in his mind for 20 or, or 25 years. And it was really when he fell in love, uh, when um, he he met and and married a woman, uh, um, probably his first love, uh, although not his first, Relationship uh, in his late 50s, he he met and married and and fell in love and decided uh, to get married and and uh, and and then he he decided to do this lecture series and this lecture series I think is largely with uh, his wife Joy Davidman who was a, a poet uh, uh, she was part of the process of writing and she actually uh, owned the copyright unusually to to this. Uh, to this book, uh, unlike most of the things that he produced. Uh, She kept the particular copyright. Um, So it's kind of an interesting experience, a kind of a fun uh, book. It's a super quotable book. I've got dozens of quotes on my screen that I can begin with. But what we can't always do in a classroom, um, I mean, it's hard to talk about Christian theology, which is what this is. In a classroom, that's not know in a seminary or even a religious studies program Uh, it's in a literature program in a secular or digital university it's also a little challenging I can't see your eyeballs you can see mine Uh, so we want to be able to share openly but in a way that's uh, safe and and helpful and generative and conversational and some things have shockingly have changed haven't they in 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 60 years right Um, so uh, this is the you know this is this is where we are Um, and so I wanted to open this up uh, gender has moved uh, dramatically in a cultural way uh, uh, in this period of time Uh, sex and sexuality has changed a lot uh, in this period of time and there are differences between uh, the United States which was the original audience for this particular program uh, of lectures uh, and Britain where Lewis actually lived and and worked um, and and in the various places would be listened to today including Canada which has a different Social politics than either Britain or the U.S. Where, where I am. Okay, so so this is this is uh, where we're at. Um, once again, as we go into this conversation, you're welcome to use a pseudonym if you're writing uh, notes here. Uh, you um, are unmuted, so do mute yourself if if you want uh, if if that would be best. Uh, and then uh, raise your hand if you uh, want to. Um, do the conversation okay so let's do uh, a little pull a straw pull, uh, to practice the hand raising thing okay so raise your hand if uh, you if you've read the book or heard the lecture series before the four love so go ahead and use a little hand raising thing okay well excellent this is most everybody okay raise your hand nobody else will say this I'll I'll keep this secret Uh, go ahead and unraise your hands can I Click to lower all hands. Oh, I can do that, good. Um, so raise your hands if uh, you, you've never uh, never uh, got through the lectures or, or book before, but you're just kind of here interested in the topic, so I just kind of know where you're at yeah okay good all right um, and so now we're gonna do a different kind of vote I can see these nobody else can see these well uh, Gabriel can see these um, I, I want to kind of like who, who's kind of more interested in the Lewis side and who's more interested in the love and sex side so let's begin well who's more interested in the the Lewis side you're kind of a Lewis reader and you're just curious about what he was thinking about and how this might work out and his materials okay good stuff so a handful of people get it a, a handful of people all right I'm gonna un-raise your hand and uh, and who's more interested in gender as a question cultural question that you're kind of curious about okay good oh interesting okay so a little stronger in the on the, the the cultural question that's that's uh, neat that's curious for me uh, so actually well let's go ahead and um, Let's go ahead and, and raise your hand if it's actually you're here for both, and I shouldn't have asked you a question. that made you choose between one or the other. Yeah, okay, good. There we go. Actually, that's, that's most of the people that put their hand up for uh, gender um, are, are, are interested in both. Okay, good. Okay, so let's begin. Where do we want to begin? Let's begin with uh, quotations. Now, um, so um uh, i have with me the text to both the lecture and the book uh you may have read or encountered either of those and so i'm okay kind of looking up yeah uh, over here in the comments it's like both both you know why do you make me choose you know uh, uh don't do this so let's begin with quotations which uh, Kay says is always the right choice yeah that's right um thank you for telling me i've done the right thing um you know after I've done it so it's always more awkward uh, when I haven't uh, done the right thing so let's go ahead and uh, begin this conversation do you is there a quotation is there a thought that you'd like to bring out that you think that the community would just kind of uh, dig, that this is one that you want to share with the community that they they might enjoy. Uh, So you can go ahead and raise your hand, just say, oh, the one that the thing about the thing, or you can actually read the quote, uh, or you can kind of share it in the box. So I'll I'll put this back over to the class here. So you can raise your hand to share a quote or ask me to find a quote. Uh, And um, okay, uh, yeah, let's go ahead, Liz. Why don't you, um, you're unmuted, so go ahead and click your own mic.
3: Okay. So I don't I don't have the quote exactly, but I think the, the thing that's um, most intriguing to me is that when a love gets to be closest to the divine is when it becomes potentially the most problematic. When mm-hmm. you start seeing the divine in your love, that you actually that's when it can become the demon. Yeah. I find that very interesting and but I I don't doubt it. I think that there's truth in that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, um, Yeah, it's and that's a quote. So the whole struck. you're right. I mean, really, uh, Liz, you struck on one of the key theses, I guess, that he's running with, uh, which is love itself is a good and beautiful thing. But when we elevate it past the natural, um, that's when we get into trouble. Uh, and he gives various caricatures throughout throughout the the books and the lectures of, of that, that trouble. And he steals it from uh, Denis de Rougemont, which is love ceases to be a demon only when he ceases to be a god. And then so he puts it in the more positive sense. You know, begins to be a demon the moment he begins to be a god. So, right. so
0: yeah. But
3: I think there's still, like, he gets onto it where there's subtly different, where I, it's almost like you can get into a relationship and it's not that you're like i'm worshiping love it's something where it can be simple it can be friendship Mm. and then you start seeing like this is very special and the divine starts to happen and instead of pursuing it in a healthy way it becomes the thing that twists the relationship
1: yeah Yeah, you know, and that's an interesting thing, too, about Lewis, right, is he's saying, yeah, like, in general, I think the greatest dangers are not what we would call big sins, but the things that are closest to beautiful and good things that get twisted or turned.
3: Exactly, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's actually a prescient moment, and I think one that's actually an interesting question for beyond just a particular religious framework, right? Is that actually true in the world? Are we in more danger um, in these bigger um uh these 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 um uh, you know the what does he say he actually says like yeah the closer it comes to being divine the closer we are to idolatry or something right that like something
0: like that that, yeah
1: good good okay thanks liz k did you did you have a thought that you wanted to add for
4: that
0: yeah i was curious um about this concept of the the approach to Divinity like placing love on that kind of a position and we often think of romantic love But I'm thinking of some of the examples in his other writings like Orwell and psyche.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and it seems as though he often tries to figure forth Images of different types of human love In which it becomes unbalanced or it mm-hmm. becomes something that uh takes too much space in the person's awareness and life and that there becomes that kind of like that loss of the happy medium or something of that nature and i'm curious whether um so you know if if we're if we're talking in this in this passage with love in the abstract i wonder if it is possible to apply that as well to love of God.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So do you, sorry, just to con, confirm what you mean there, Kay, so I get the part, like, do you think, like, are you asking whether there's a danger in loving God too much or the divine love itself kind of skirts too high or have I misunderstood you there?
0: The first one is what I'm wondering about, you know, because he's introducing this caution into us you know to like oh if you're beginning to care too much or to love the wrong way you know it's it's a in some ways it's it's a um in some ways it has the effect of the parent who just says to their kid be careful and you're like can you be more specific you know (laughs) and so that's sort of what i'm wondering here you know um it's it says very little to say, don't love the wrong way, you know? And so I'm wondering, like, well, if he's introducing this caution into the different types of human loves, would he also apply it to religious fervor?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I see. And and that's, you know, that might even be a concept that um, I'm just looking up a word here that I thought of. And uh, Emily has a, a quote here um, uh, that might be interesting. Um, right. So so he actually uses uh, justice as one of the concepts that he has to caution the kind of thing that you're talking about, Kay. Although he doesn't talk about religious forever. He does talk about in the book nationalism or patriotism. Um, and uh, he's really cautious about family love, right? Um, uh, parents, uh, f- fathers who, who expect too much love from their kids without giving any, uh, dignity or, or mothers who, who kind of over control or whatever. Um, and so he, he, he says, uh, defying mercy and justice. That's a word that he uses. Um, uh, yeah, let me see. There's also another, there's another point, um, uh, yeah, so the the great rules that keep us in relationship with one another, the keeping or breaking of promises, on justice and injustice, charity and selfishness. So those are the kinds of things that I think, Kay, that he would say are the ones that that fill out this comment, and and Emily found the quotation here that I, I, I wonder if Liz was sort of getting at. Um, Our loves do not make their claim to divinity until the claim becomes plausible it does not become plausible until there is them a real resemblance to god to love himself as in um you know when our erotic love heightens to a point that it actually takes on this divine reality that's then when we're most tempted to worship it and uh, and when it can most cause us problems or parental love I, i love our generation as parents but we're kind of intense you know (laughs) so we're kind of intense and so so Lewis would say I think of religious fanaticism which I don't know that he saw that much of in Britain um, in his lifetime that uh, you know that well I would still say you know uh, keeping promises justice charity you know selflessness like he he would still say those are the big things Um, does does that does that answer that at all okay that's sort of only a partial answer but
0: that does make sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It seems like a topic he wasn't terribly um, verbose on, but it does it does make sense that those kinds of guidelines would most likely apply if you were to have done so.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and he didn't um, like it's a it's a brilliant book in a lot of ways, but we talked in class last week, uh, you know, about the fact that there's really kind of things that Lewis is missing in his experience base that that could be filled out by us. Um, who, who have broader or different experiences or a little further along in timeline or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, we actually live in an age, of course, where religious extremism is a, a real tangible part of our reality. Um, and in many cases, part of our families or, you know, immediate or extended families of people we love, right? Um, uh, who are committed to maybe not just religious, but to ideological extremism, um, on various parts of the spectrum. So yeah, so I think the the patriotism talk in chapter uh 2 of the book would be where he would want to go and and say, you know, okay, here's some limits, you know, what what makes this difficult or good or bad or whatever. Yeah, good. Yeah. All right. Uh any other kind of quotes uh and we can start to move into things that are you know, things that make you go hmm, you know, th- things that are just on the wee bit edge of of troublesome or curious. Uh, Go ahead, uh, David, if you want to go ahead and
5: speak. Uh, The quotation is uh, where he's speaking about how modern society denigrates friendship. He says, to the ancients, friendship seemed to be the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world in comparison ignores it. We admit, of course, that besides wife and family, a man needs a few friends. The very tone of the admission and the sort of acquaintanceships described as friendships show clearly that it's something quite marginal, not a main course in life's banquet. Yeah,
1: yeah. Can can I add just a a little bit? Um, if if I can find the quotation, just that adds. So, so this is one of the things about having the, um, this is a, the the thing about having also the the lectures here. Um, adding to that, the life's banquet. Uh, and then he says in the lectures, it's more for those people friendship is more like the bread you crumble almost unconsciously during your long dinner it's one of the etc right <laughs> which i think adds nicely to the quotation you brought up there david yeah um uh, did you did you have a thought on that or you just were struck by it um as, as a as a comment about friendship in our culture today
5: As with a lot of stuff, when I read Lewis, I'm stunned for things that he was talking about back then and what he must think of today's society. This was pre-Facebook. This was pre-all of the things of modernity that have moved us even further away from where it was in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's prophetic in some ways and then other ways... (laughs) <laughs> we're not even sure he was like in his own time right I mean this is the thing he's a pre-modernist modernist modernist uh, figure he, he's uh, he's a cultural critic he's resisting
5: his age but not fitting well into any age so so he's gonna have that yeah good and just when it whenever I give any of his quotations on friendship to people they, they it always makes them hungry because he's describing something that they know they actually really want and typically don't really have um, yeah in England, they have a, a minister for loneliness, you know, that, that is now part of the remit of a government minister. Um, uh, and in every single survey that you see, people say that they don't actually have close friends, particularly men. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, yeah, we right. actually, we actually studied this book in our local CSList book club um, and just related to that, it, it, it kind of divided the group because all of the men were just like 100% on board with his everything he said about friendship um but a lot a lot of the ladies in the group saying "Mm, this isn't quite everything no no that's right i
1: think i think there is but okay well i mean i i've always wondered like is is it easier for men to experience friendship in our culture is it easier for women to experience friendship in our culture i mean now that we've sort of broken down the barriers you know you know some of my best friends are people right um, uh, now that we've sort of broken down a lot of barriers of friendship that that may have been there before in class or different kinds of culture or experience or gender you know are we ha- are we having better friendships um, we have all the social media that allows us to facilitate friendships uh, are we closer to one another or are we actually drifting apart I don't know the answer to that but I've also been curious about whether I- I've I've had a theory that I think that women in my generation are just a wee bit better at friendship um, th- than men um, in, in lasting kind of ways, but that's 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 my thought. I would love to hear pushback on that. Go ahead, Kay, if you like.
0: I've come to think of it um, as not so much being. and Of course, I don't I don't know if you necessarily meant this, but um, I've come to think of it as being much less something that is like an innate. Hmm. Um, quality that that is present or not present in either women or men Um, I think that you know the human animal is capable of all forms of connection Hmm. I think sometimes um, the ways that we You know, it's sort of like on the the nurture end of the debate, but it it certainly does seem to me that the ways that um, we socialize males, especially in American society, Mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of shutting down a lot of the things that make for good friendship, you know, sort of requiring men to... um, hide or suppress emotion to only kind of project strength and competition and invulnerability and so there are kind of like fewer avenues that um, you allow them to to pursue in their lives and it, it becomes narrowed to you can have friends like you can bond with other men over sports and you know a much narrower um, realm of activities and if you're not naturally drawn to those you're a little bit out of luck. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that at least at least to me that explains a lot more of sometimes the differences that we see in especially adult men and women and the types of satisfactions that we are reporting in our friendships. Um I just yeah, I, f- I find it um Unsatisfying to conclude that well this is just men are just incapable or less capable yeah. than women are of meaningful human connection you know if nothing else I look to the um, you know just the, the depth of connection and passion that is shown in literature and say well of course, yeah. of course this is these are human capacities you know of course they're present in men as well.
1: Yeah. And in other cultures, I mean, if you've been in the Middle East and you see men, you know, kissing or holding hands, you know, um, you know, it, we, we know that we sit as an outlier, I think, in the West when it comes to contact, touch, uh, certainly. And yeah, and I, and when I say men, I say only men in my generation and in my culture. Um, although, you know, I have lived in another culture where I wondered, I never got I could never crack how even friendship worked in that culture because men just work together it seemed. Yeah. So thanks for that, Kay. Trevor, did you have a, a response to that or did you want to kind of uh, think about something uh, connected or a little different? Oh, you're and you're muted, so you'll have to unmute.
6: Okay. Sorry about that. No, I just had a quick response to that. Um, this, this is something that's kind of been on my mind a lot. Um, I think men generally have, generally there's a, a sense that we have to have something to be, to bond about. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think women seem to have more of a gift of, of, and of course we're speaking glittering generalities here, I think women seem to feel much more comfortable just um, being like, there's only one person that I know of that I that I can call him up and say, let's just do something. Whereas I think my wife knows 25 people like that and she feels no, um, uncomfortableness about just simply calling somebody up. So I, I think that there's more of a, um, maybe it's just a fear of, it's a, it's a fear of risk. It's a fear of, um, maybe we're more sensitive. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I, I just want to, like, when
1: you, when you speak in men and women, are you kind of speaking in the way that Kay kind of made the adjustment? Like, are you speaking kind of your time and culture, or are you actually thinking that this is a biological reality
6: or, or something? Well, I think that's just it. I, I think that this, this time period between Freud and maybe now it's starting to, um, decreases you know we talk about bromance and homophobia is kind of settling down in some places i I think since freud there's always been this nervous nervousness i think underneath um so i think it i think it is more of a of a this generation this century yeah. maybe more more last century because it is something that I mean, you see, you see these deep, deep friendships between people. Um, you know, men. You know, even in America and even in the West, just didn't seem to be quite as nervous about, you know, having close friendships with other men. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I think there's a, a thing
1: there again. Without pushing the generalization too much, well, what do what do folks think though of this? This is like one of the big. The, one of the most powerful moments um, in uh, yeah and Kay's just saying uh, the speaker in the dream of the rude uh, talking about cuddling his king yeah that's right you know that's certainly a phrase we probably wouldn't um, we wouldn't go with we have this this <laughs> yeah that's right I, I don't think I've cuddled many men to be fair um, and even the idea of is kind of weird Lewis addresses in the text and the lectures the the people accusing people of homosexuality who who love friendship or something like that i'm missing out because okay i'll go call, call more kings i'm in um and i'm more of like a fist bump to kings okay uh, to be fair uh and uh but lewis says you know the characteristic posture of lovers is face to face and i think that's true right although lewis says elsewhere remember that not all lovers kisses are love lover's kisses. You know, a lot of them are storge, relational, familial kisses. That, the posture of friends is side by side. And then in the book, he talks about walking down the road together, kind of facing an object, or even today I would suggest mediating things. We have, you know, like a coffee between us or or a project or something so i think i think that's um i think that could be there so that idea is there now so uh hannah you've got your hand up i'm just gonna unclick you there and you're muted if you want to share you can go ahead you can respond to trevor um and sort of case conversations or you can kind of take it off um
0: uh
1: oh sorry oh that was yeah yeah we're out oh that's good that's a pretty normal <laughs> that's a pretty normal thing for that kind of thing to happen so um, and it does any like what do you think about this this quote uh, characteristic posture lovers face to face that of friends side by side Um, I actually think this is actually one of the gems in the piece uh, remembering where we are in our culture as sort of a Anglo American culture Uh, what do you folks think is is this is this uh, a valuable thing and is this divided in gender or is sort of Trevor right that women actually tend to be able to kind of abandon the common goal and, and just share a time together in our culture a little bit easier than, than men, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk maybe about till we have faces. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Emily, do you want to share? Um, yeah, you're muted there too, so you can unmute yourself.
7: Yeah, um, well, I like to think about this in context with some of the other things that he says about friendship, um, especially with like the when he's talking about not being interested in the person or their personal life. You know, you just spend all your time talking about whatever you're both interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. And I see that more in early friendships and as the relationship goes on, like the people that I have strong relationships with now, yes, we may like to talk about things, but I'm definitely thinking more about like doing things with them for the sake of the relationship, not For the sake of some sort of passion that we share so at some point i think that it like the the seesaw kind of tips and it becomes more like uh like a a romantic relationship in that sense yeah but i do think that this this kind of um dichotomy he's setting up does have value i just don't i don't know if it stays that way forever
1: yeah, and, and and that's an interesting developmental thing. And, and maybe the question, Emily, that we will want to ask is, maybe, Louis, this is a great, you know, these constructs and the quotes are great. Maybe the question is, should we push it? Are we pushing it too much? Maybe is always maybe uh, one of the questions okay. that we might Kind of have. Okay, so we have actually two, two uh, responses to that, um, uh, Kay, and then Liz. If if we responded to this, if you have a new idea, I may hold off just for a sec to make sure we're we're a few through there. But um, uh, go ahead, uh, Kay first. Yeah.
0: I was actually gonna suggest that Liz go first since I've already talked a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, is your uh, oh, cheapers, Liz? It says your hand was raised for ten minutes. Have you been waiting for ten minutes to talk?
0: No,
3: I just tur- I just put it on.
1: Okay. I yeah. thought I was paying attention to that, but oh well since you guys are fighting over it, um I'll let Liz, I'll let Liz go. Well
3: I, I was actually gonna go to a different thing. So Okay.
1: Well let's go let's go back to Kay. Why don't you say your thing and then and then we may use Liz to pivot? And one thing, just looking at the time, I want us to be sensitive. I would like to come to I'm not gonna teach anything about today's gender and sexuality construct if if you didn't know that that has shifted since 1958, I would encourage right. you to look on Wikipedia or something, right? Um, so <laughs> things have changed in culture. Um, but but how do we read this in relationship to the, you know, 60 years later, how do we read this text? I want to think about that. So I do want to pivot in that direction. So as if comments can move us towards that direction. But Kay, do you want to respond uh, to kind of the things that we've been talking about? Emily, just what she just talked about. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I I... I don't find this distinction particularly that, that it rings true so much, um, at least in terms of my own experience. In like my experiences with romantic and non-romantic loves, friendships, connections, these things seem to not be very clearly delineated. Um, like I, I just in any relationship that I have, I get in and out of these types of things. There are shared interests, there are, you know, the talking about the relationship itself, about the person, whether or not I'm romantically involved with them, um, that those things all come into play. So it's it sort of, it's it's not quite clear to me what the, what the distinction serves like what what use it serves when it doesn't really reflect um what i've experienced in reality in terms of how human relationships have worked for me
1: well it's a it's an interesting comment and and the lines may even blur depending on our culture although i have to say has anybody like like i've never asked like somebody out friend wise like i've asked somebody out date wise do do you know what i mean like i've never had to i've never had to like we don't have to update our facebook status on friends like we're (laughs) friend friend you know what i mean so uh i I want there is still some kind of distinction there but on my deepest friends I, i actually you know go to the point of you know when I know that they need something, I will try and meet that need relationally, or, you know, they're going through a hard time, or uh, they need support, uh, or, you know, they just, we just need to play cards until they talk, right? So there's there, there are those kind of distinctions there, yeah. So anyway, it's a curious thing, and, and the conversations are, um, uh, so, <laughs> so, so, okay, so, okay, so some comments here. My husband and I, Emily, have asked, people out on other couples out on dates right and and was that like a a step Emily that you had to do kind of an emotional step or a like a courage thing like asking someone on a date or is it like intentional yeah and then um, we have uh, yeah you know k is actually no no i i mean i have like i've confirmed so i've just never uh yeah it's a little bit courageous definitely intentional so yeah so maybe we're kind of a little bit more intentional i love our coffee culture today because it gives us this moderating space let's go for coffee a friend uh, uh, of someone i work with i was like oh let's go for coffee sometime he's like and he he answered in such a funny way he's like i really like to drive (laughs) and take pictures of things let's do that and it, all of a sudden I was kind of in this space I'm like well this is more commitment than I was looking for right so I guess we have to na- navigate those things on our own um so we still have Liz kind of like ready to pivot us a little bit David did you have a thought about this particular conversation or I
5: was just gonna say that when Lewis is talking about Storgate he compares it to gin that it's a drink in its own right but it's also yeah. a base for cocktails <laughs> I think that's probably true for all of the natural loves uh, that they can be bases to varying degrees and complement one another. Yeah,
1: yeah, and to be fair, he went from um, with joy his his wife. He went from her being an enjoyable literary uh, conversation partner um, to a a friend, like just what he talked about in the text, to to a lover. Right, so there's a for him. He went through that that process too, so that he saw those uh, those things. Yeah, and, and yeah, Katie, that's right. It is a nice uh, that's a nice a nice quote. So we want to go to 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 Liz here. Did you did you have a th- thought? Did you want to share your thought now, Liz? Because I'm ready to, to kind of pivot if if you are. Yeah.
3: So. Well, it, actually, it is about joy, so it was perfect that you brought her up. So you had said that she probably had a lot of input in putting in him putting this together. So one of the one of the things that he had said that kind of irked me, but I let it go until you had mentioned that she probably been part of this is that he had said something early on in the book about, um, you know, I can talk about what what men were probably like way back in the, uh, you know, hunting days. But as I'm not a woman, I can't talk to you about that. As if somehow his line to the past, like, of prehistory exists because of his gender. And yeah. if that's the case, which I don't accept at all, he, if he worked with his wife, what, it, it seems like he kind of made, like, this statement of this is, this is going to be from a man's point of view, solely, totally, and completely. And yet he had a, a woman that was probably working with him. And why did he not leverage that? Maybe more yeah he he had that resource right there
1: yeah just to just to to kind of confirm this like for you so we have like 59 occurrences of the word man in the lecture right Um, men would be another um, another 27 that's a high number of occurrences like this is a very masculine text right so he's Uh, It's really funny the way that he wrote it because he's really speaking as a as a man to men and expecting women to kind of listen in, right? It's an unusual rhetorical style, Um, and I'm not even sure it's a 1958 style. It's probably a 1948 style. Um, I I don't I don't know. I I just don't know. yeah, and 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 you know, Kay notes here, you know, like this is. I, I wish that was not par for Lewis's course. And to be fair, the first feminist critic I read, wrote Rosemary Radford Ruether, I was so offended by her masculine language that <laughs> I set the book aside for a while. Right, it's it's hard to stomach. Um, but but I'm curious, Lewis. So that's actually a step we have to take, right, as readers, if we're going to go to. 60 years back to this lewis moment are we willing to translate because when he says men are man he often means human humanity or human right um, and he only uses the word humanity here as, to describe um uh, uh, humanity as like a, a, lived experience of what it means to be different, uh, hu- humanity itself, um, something that moves past the biological. He even talks about violence to our humanity, right? So he only uses human or humanity in that kind of way, which is the idea, the essence of living, not the people or the person. So we have to make that jump, but if, I mean, are there any anthropologists in the group? How strong is Lewis's anthropological approach in the text? Because this is kind of at the heart of Liz's point. You know, he's using, you know, his experience as the gateway to the entire human past. Um, is, is that, anthropologically, is that a strong move or is that actually problematic?
3: Can I continue speaking just to, like, add on?
1: Yeah, yeah, and anybody else can raise their hand and join in uh, or push back if you like.
3: Well, the only, the, the what's, I think, interesting is that you know he was willing to talk about subjects that his lecture series didn't even actually make it out right they they heard what he was talking about and and were like yeah no it was just so
8: too he, sad. Yeah.
3: you would think that if you know he's talking about human relationships across the board in every facet that he can you know that he, he's trying to really work with this and, and human relationships so you would think that for someone who wrote Narnia and who wrote, um, till we have faces Hmm. and is able to, in those instances, write from a female perspective. Yeah. Why did he not, why could he not do it here?
1: Yeah. Can you think of the simple answer for that? I mean the simplest answer. It may not be the right one. I mean the simplest answer go Trevor, do you have a thought or yeah, you're, you're
6: muted. Um, as well, too, so okay, sorry about that. Um, I just wonder if he's trying to not speak about things that he doesn't feel like he knows personally about yeah i I don't see him men addressing men. I see it more like this is me talking about what I know about, and I'm not going to yeah. presume to try and and speak for women and and it's a little bit that's still a little bit of a problem, I think because he he's still seeing everything's divided into male and female. Yeah. Men do this and women do that. And I think that's a little, um, I don't know if offensive is a word, but um, maybe it was just a thing that was more present back then than, than now. Yeah, okay, so let's, we're actually
1: going kind of in two directions and, and Hannah, your hands up, uh, is that a, just, I noticed you threw a comment and is that um, that kind of an accident or? Or, or do you want to speak uh, to the moment at, at this point because I do want to bring in um, yeah so all I'll, can you can you hold that previous point just for a second Hannah then so um, so what we have in the comments here are people you know pushing back and and we've got two things happening one is saying Lewis so there's the the masculinity is universal kind of thing so it's pushing back a little bit on what you're saying Trevor and we do see right that man is the he is the preferred gender man is the preferred stance um, and I think folks that like this is just rhetorical for the most part that's just how he thought public conversation went um, um, gentleman you know is is kind of how how it went um, I, I just wish it was you know who's other right i don't know that it was the standard um but i suspect it's pretty bbc-ish for the 1950s i suspect that he's not that far out of his cultural moment but then there's the question of universality and and there's really kind of an interesting tension i want to bring up um one is that i mean you know noam's like you know look this is this approach doesn't describe all men in his time you know let alone in all times right so let's be careful about that Uh, but also like on the other hand, I think that's important to say, is that he sometimes had a limited view about what is universal. That was kind of what I was hinting at with his word thousands, that I don't know that Lewis had the fullest view. And there's a, a, a social scientist named um, Mary Sue Van Leeuwen who who has a whole chapter in her book, Sword Between the Sexes, that takes all of Lewis's anthropological points and then says, look, I'm a social scientist, let's look at his point. And here's you know where he's strong, here's where he's weak, here's where he guesses right, even though he didn't have the evidence, and here's where he's totally off because he didn't ask more people, he didn't find out a, a more universal experience. On the other hand, Lewis is ahead of the game in what we call autography or autoethnography, using the self as part of the evidence of how we think and feel, that's how he wrote. That's how people are writing today that's actually how anthropology is is um, is often practiced today and Lewis was really ahead of the game he apologized for it in his talks uh, and, and essays and on stories he says I'm afraid I'm going to have to use my own experience because it's the one I know best but here it is this is how I read um, that's actually a pretty common thing that was pretty unusual I think in 1939 or 38 when he gave that first lecture so so I want I think the tensions on both sides. I think there's an interesting push and pull. Um, so, um, Noam, uh, uh, let's make sure your mic's on. Uh, why don't you go ahead and speak to us, Noam?
8: So, I want to actually emphasize the other part in his essay. He starts by sort of giving uh, a logical, from his perspective, logical uh, argument of why we should consider the four labs. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's from the language, we shouldn't ignore the language, the language is important, and and that's it. So he does try to sort of, at least in the beginning, says we have a universal uh, framework that we can work with. Um, And I think that we would all agree that that, supposedly universal framework doesn't actually work uh, and doesn't make sense even from within uh, that framework. Uh, So he fails on that account. Uh, I think he also fails in realizing how human relationship changed throughout history and specifically since the industrial revolution. Um, the fact that people in his time, in our time are marrying because of love and not due to financial constraints uh, is a new phenomenon it didn't used to be that way it used to be that you had to marry whoever uh, was financially good match for your family because that was a crucial part of your substantial life, material life um, and he doesn't take into account the city that estranges people. If you live in a small village you know the baker, you know the, the shopkeeper, you know the life, you know the, the, the people you hang out with. One of the things that sociologists Point out about the city is that that's exactly what you 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 lose when you move to a city. Mm. You don't know the growth, so you don't know the people in front of him. You're a stranger. There's an estrangement going on. Mm. Uh, so that get lost. Uh, I, I think there's more to be said about that, but I, I would like to stop here and hear other people thoughts about it
1: yeah no that's good and i do want to get back to hannah who who has a point um on something different i i want to just uh restate something noam just said and so, so to give some history noam i think is quoted as saying this is a terrible terrible book is that is that a, am i quoting you correctly no
8: yes there might be a few more terribles in there but yes
1: so, so Noman don't Norman, I don't see exactly eye to eye on this particular text. However, this phrase, "the city that estranges people, estranges people," that's a pretty gorgeous phrase that you just said. Uh, also, a pretty terrible, terrifying phrase, a terrible in the old sense, right? Um, and uh, I would, I would like to agree that uh, Lewis misunderstands when he universalizes um, some parts of human experience. He, he misunderstands. I still think there's value not just in the bits of this these uh, talks, but actually in the framework of thinking about love, um, even if it means like what Kay is suggesting, which is actually these lines blur more um, in distinction, and that's actually to me helpful. Um, uh, once you create exceptions, uh, once you, you you redefine things, how, you know, it's it, I think it's it's helpful to have those uh, to push back on. Um, so yeah, so I I I actually think. Uh, Lewis had almost no concept about the city that estranges people. I think he he lived in little towns his whole life and uh, always intended to. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, he felt estranged, but um, he largely did that to himself, ideologically speaking, on campus uh, in Cambridge or Oxford. So that's um, that's a different thing, too. Um, all right, Hannah, let's uh, or Hannah, let's go to to you if you want to speak to this point. Uh, if you can still recall, uh, ten minutes later, what it is that you were trying to respond to. I'm sorry I missed you, uh, and you'll have to unmute yourself here. Um, <clears throat> also, so hi, hi, can you hi. hear me? Yeah, absolutely.
4: Okay, um, yeah, I have to go. My lunch break's over in three minutes, but just really quickly, um, the first point I wanted to make was about um in regards to being face to face and defining the different types, understanding the different types of love. I think um, in response to a previous commenter, the reason that we make that distinction, like you were saying, between asking someone out as a friend and or in a romantic context is that there's an inherent risk involved. There's an exclusivity Hmm. um, for most ethics. Uh, traditional ethics in regard to sexual and romantic relationships so the exclusivity automatically implies a type of um, risk and vulnerability whereas one can have multiple friends and you can only really look one person in the face at a time so I think that was kind of my response to that and then the second point was just about um, agreeing I think with Trevor that um, that really Mm -hmm universality is nestled in specificity so um, I think actually where Lewis fails is when he tries to be universal and inclusive with um, you know applying it uh, outside of him being Lewis in his specific situation whereas maybe if he had written the book just about his experience of those types of loves say just with joy that that would have been more universal by just doing that and he succeeds in doing that when he writes for Lucy and Narnia, or when he writes um, for Orwell in um, Till We Have Faces.
8: So, yeah, yeah anyway.
1: Because yeah, he allows those stories to be those stories, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So they get to speak. Anyway. Well, thank
4: you. Yeah, and think have to go,
1: yeah. All right. Well, no, I'm, I'm glad that I, I got to you. Sorry that um, well, I was brushing past too quickly there, so.
4: Oh, no worries.
1: Yeah, good stuff. And I, I want Thank to repeat the phrase um, uh, that she, she just said, universality is nestled in specificity. And I said it correctly, I think, and, and which pleases me. So uh, yeah, and Kay says, um, yeah, kind of gives an amen to that particular uh, phrase. It's an interesting thing. And of course, if he's working um, in in this autographic genre that, does, that people are still working out, uh, we can understand why there might be some awkwardness there. Um, and 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 this is kind of how i like to critique Lewis, is on his own terms whenever possible right um uh rather than pretending i have some god's eye view on the on the whole matter however like what what is it is there anything that you want to bring up that, that you that you've that that you uh, find troubling or distancing or that he's been prophetic on that you think that this moment um in in our culture, uh, really needs to hear this kind of thing, granted that we may have you know a handful of countries represented um, within this culture. um yeah, okay, uh, so some hands here. Go ahead Trevor first, yeah.
6: Um, so I'll just uh, throw the hand grenade in the room. Yeah, sure. um, we had talked <laughs> we had talked in our class about the um, passage, which I can't seem to put my finger on right now, where he talks about. Um, the roles of husband and wife in marriage Um, and he kind of makes this point which is a little a little disturbing that you know feminists should not begrudge us our our crown because from the pagan point of view it's a paper crown from a um, Christian point of view it's a a crown of thorns Um, I just find that a little it just seems to me to be of the times, and maybe not. Um, I think, it, from my from my point of view, I don't think that more than one out of twenty men can really pull that off well. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I believe that we need to teach our children and to learn ourselves a more egalitarian way of doing marriage. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think that most people, it puts a lot of pressure on men to, to pull off this um, righteous, um, self-sacrificing king role. Um, and I think Paul himself hints at something beyond that when he talks about, um, you know, submitting to each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, so to, 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 be, to be fair, um, yeah, okay, so there's a, couple, a few different ways here. I wanna just uh, note here, Kay says, you know, um, one, what does feminism mean? Um, and I think, uh, you know, in feminist, and NK's definition here isn't give us your crown, Right, which would be falling short. Like if women were trying to be like men in 1958 or today, that's a pretty low bar, right? You know like you know uh, <laughs> or even to get man stuff or something although equality movements on like um uh, you know pay and, and things are important legislation are important but that the question is should one gender rule over another and i think that's what feminists uh, would want to push back on but it's interesting you know why you know why did you know virginia Woolf and dorothy sayers push back on the word feminism because i think it is there was in that generation the word feminist was being used in ways that That we have fuller definitions on right now today Um, at least if we're listening to um, you know second and third and fourth wave feminists and 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 what they're talking about um, we want to have a fuller definition or I hope we would have a fuller definition of it right so there's that problem right is what what we mean by a feminist and then the question of rule or submission is is one um, is one too you know so Lewis talks about you know you know the crown of thorns because the the husband you know um, excuse me I'll just find it here uh, you know nothing will rise that has not in some degree, shared the crucifixion as his principle of love right so in this lecture series in the book the idea is that all love in a sense must die to itself that if you've given yourself over to mothering Uh, a child or to being the perfect son or being the perfect lover or um, having the perfect job or whatever the thing that you're in you actually have to lose that to yourself you have to give that up and it has to die in order for it to rise and be filled with divine love that's the principle that's in in this um in this thing uh and uh um and so uh so he has that idea so that's the principle so everything must die like all things must die and that in the agape section all love subsumed to divine love which is modeled by the cross the the, the self sacrifice the giving over for the self but he also says you know um, you know headship male headship in this case is fully embodied in that man whose marriage is most like a crucifixion right well I, I mean I said this in class but don't would not it be meaningful if the woman was also self-sacrificial is that also is the cross not a model also for you know for for children as well as parents for business partners you know what i mean and so that's uh trevor where i think that his um he's limited is that he hasn't taken this idea of the cross as model uh, self, self-sacrifice, self self-giving, uh, dying to self. He hasn't taken that and moved that out into all areas. He's kept these kind of special categories of men and women, um, you know, protected from that in a certain kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense?
6: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, and I think that that's definitely a part of all of this, but... in order for in from my perspective in order for marriage to work there has to be self sacrifice on both sides yeah and i don't think there can ever be you know one gender that's supposed to you know you're supposed to be the the christ figure and your wife she can get away with less than that i think i think both are called upon to be like christ and if that's the case then why do you have all of a sudden this little hierarchy this almost human hierarchy that's been sort of dumped on top of this very beautiful idea of both people being um, Christ like I, I apologize for speaking a little bit more negatively of that relationship than than maybe it's lived out in practice at times
1: no that's all right and you've got some agreement here in the comment sections too um, um... Uh, yeah. Okay. I, actually, maybe I'll come back to that in a second here, Caleb. Uh, that's an, I have to think about that for a sec. But um, you know, Lewis, in fact, does try to push back uh, against himself. Like he has this super weird thing, you know, that so as men in a relationship, we are not just ourselves, but we're also like Sky Father. Like we're all of masculinity, <laughs> you know, in symbolic form brought into the single moment. I don't is like. Is, is that I, right? <laughs>
6: like, I, I think he's saying that because he's a Oxford don rather than any real. It just seems to me the kind of thing an Oxford don would say. Maybe I wonder if he's just kind of lost
1: in the myth. Is all I mean. Um, I'm not like it's not very often. I didn't even know who the Sky Father and the Sky Mother, or Earth Mother, were when I got married. So with due respect I, I wasn't enacting them very faithfully apparently um, <laughs> um, but I guess I don't want to take all masculinity into myself in every relational encounter that I have uh, with my wife um, and and I guess I don't know what masculinity and femininity mean exactly in this moment right so so he has a meaning I don't know if everybody has that that same meaning and then he kind of pushes back against himself as of course we can't we remember this is play we can't push this too far you know um, you know because you know, uh, we, you know, you can't give to, to another human being I, the self-surrender. That, that only belongs to God. So it's an interesting pushback, but I don't know if he pushes back all the way. I don't know if he's consistent that, uh, enough. All right, so a couple of comments here. Um, uh, Caleb notes, uh, you know, Lewis's comments, ring of youthful love you know his love was young and he was still learning that's an intriguing comment of course right on somebody who's in their late 50s right you know they're 60 when they're writing this but youthful love is as youthful love does right kill um and uh yeah and and so it's okay here and and so it's so okay gonna give kind of a little quote i don't know the full quote either uh k but um uh, but it, it is in that Mary Stuart uh, Van Leeuwen uh, book but I, I just on my blog uh, pilgrimandarnia.com I just put up a C.S. Lewis and Gender Bibliography um, to share with you all just before uh, class, uh, class uh, before the session started a couple of hours ago uh, so you can always just check it out at Um and this is uh, uh, September 17th 2019 so you can check that post out and you guys can use that bibliography as you like after you spend a year or two reading you can always get back to me on everything you know or write about it. Uh, but somewhere uh, it is true, uh, Kay says that Dorothy Sayers says that Lewis talks a lot of nonsense about um sex. I think it was uh, she means like sex is in like genders, so, like is in you know, men and women, right? Um, and then you always think about that when he comes to this book. However, to be fair, Kay, um Louis, uh, you can speak to this Kay if you like, but uh Lewis did um uh, Dorothy Sayers really did appreciate the way that Lewis used um, the gender play in Paralandra, where he turns everything upside down and suggests actually that our bodies are not really, you know, the the key thing, but there's something behind the body, something like universal gender-wise that we're that we live out. That's the real reality, and our bodies are kind of incidental that they happen to be male or female is is not as important as the masculinity and femininity and behind that. That's an interesting. Reality in Perilandria that that I think the transgender community are trying to kind of um, talk talk about a little bit uh, in their in their much different way. So go ahead, Kay. Um, before I get yeah, into
0: there's, there's also this really brilliant uh, letter interchange between the two of them. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact quotes, but Lewis wrote to her and was like, "Really, you must give tongue about this whole nonsense of women being allowed to you know be priests." Yeah. In the church, like this is a horrible outrage, and but right. I can't say that because I'm a man. So you should say and he's like trying to make her into a hired gun, and she yeah. basically writes back and is like, I don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> like in fact, isn't yeah, the she's, whole point? Well, like, isn't the whole point that we're all supposed to be able to do something like that? Like yeah. saying, well, oh, and, they can't be the fig- they can't be the figure of Christ because they're not male.
1: Yeah, and, and he. She's like, Dude. <laughs> so the the, the essay um, it's loses it's not his worst essay um, his essays are short and so they can sometimes be too um, tr- trite but it's it's one of his worst and it's um, uh, on a priestess in the church right which even the language is there but you know Dorothy Sayers pushes back on the question of women and leadership in the Anglican Church in in two ways she agrees you know yet this could divide us from the Roman Church in a way that in a global community and history, um, and it's poetically less elegant to have women as priests, um, but she agrees in all the other way that women could be in leadership. You know, she thinks. Um, and and Lewis, Lewis's response is kind of interesting. We don't have the whole thing, but he just kind of shrugged, and they just moved on in their letter relationship, right? <laughs> like. Okay, so, uh, and Lewis wrote the essay anyway um, for, for himself, and so, and then wrote to her and said, well, I hope I didn't mess it up too badly, basically. So, yeah, so anyway, thanks, Ken. okay, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think I think you're gonna find Anglicans in a different space, although the Roman Catholics aren't you know, in a terribly different space than where Lewis would have been in 1958. But um, yeah, and that's the weird thing about Lewis, right, is he's got this kind of upside down, view of gender and sexuality in a lot of ways. Um, he does these, like Till We Have Faces this is an amazing experiment in, in gender uh, characterization, um, and uh, is actually a great book to read with the four loves. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I kind of I, I make an argument that um, uh, that the Till We Have Faces is the, the encapsulation of Lewis's conversation with the Van Aken, Sheldon Van Aachen, when his his partner Davy died, um, now when they were both kind of young in their relationship, but 10 year, 10 or 15 years into their relationship, and then till we have faces is a working out of that. So this is all, this is till we have faces, and then the four loves is is bringing those lessons together once he's learned um, something about erotic love that he didn't know once he experiences it himself. So so that's that's kind of my argument um, that I make uh, somewhere so all right well we're coming to the end of the time um, is there anybody kind of been sitting on their hands they just kind of wanted to say something um, and they'll just feel better <laughs> if they have said it um, because I, I don't really want to cut it off too early in uh, and, and leave people without having spoken but I am I, sensitive to the time And we do want to, like in in a little bit, actually just in a a little while after we finish here, I'm, I'm coming back to my class. We're gathering together. We're talking about Plato's Symposium and the Hebrew Song of Solomon, the poem. And actually, when you read Plato's Symposium behind the four loves, you can kind of see that lovers face to face moment is a really interesting thing um uh, when compared with one of the speeches in in the symposium so uh, they kind of can be read together all right so any last com- comments that you want to give uh, hands up or anything
2: i wouldn't mind coming in at some point i'm brenton but i don't want to skip the line if anyone has any last thoughts
1: no this is this is it you you jumped, oh, this the, is my you moment. jumped
2: the queue <laughs> um i well. I, I i firstly i i think that was a really fascinating discussion um and uh, i don 't think you missed anything, so i was I was looking at the the comments um, the, the only thing was uh, Caleb said, uh, "I almost feel as if those things people mistook as homosexual leanings seem more like storge relationship within friendship. This was a comment from quite a while ago yeah. um, and i, I don 't know if you saw that um, and i 'm not proposing that we uh, reopen that area of discussion, but I did uh, when Trevor referred to the hand grenade um of this text i thought trevor was going to be talking about lewis on homosexuality because that's a whole topic um, and yeah. that uh, occurred to me when i was uh listening to this these talks and actually there's some quite interesting differences in the um radio broadcast compared to the book on that topic yeah, um yeah. but i just uh just thought i'd mention that um in case you you missed um that comment from earlier Um, The the other thing I just wanted to say was about uh, that conversation about friendship, which I thought was really interesting. Because for me, uh, the big fantasy in a series like Harry Potter is not just going to school in Hogwarts, um, School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, but having friends like Ron and Hermione. Um, And also, I want to have friends like the Friends on Friends, the TV show. Um, there's a lot of kind of TV and and book series that are really about friendship and and I, I would also say Lord of the Rings, um, yeah. The Fellowship, um, particularly Sam and Frodo is, is this great kind of example of friendship. You, funnily enough, I don't think of so many examples in C.S. Lewis's work. Uh, I don't think of the Narnia series as really about the relationships between the children in Narnia. It's more about the goal that they're trying to achieve. Um, but uh yeah, I just wanted to to sort of chime with, with other comments when when people were saying that uh that there's a kind of yearning for friendship and this is something that C.S. Yeah. Lewis talks about and 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 actually puts um that you know, friendship love um on the same level. I mean that's that's the great genius of this this work, I think. Of the great great thing about it is that he's talking about Eros, Agape, Philia and Storge really on equal footing um, he's giving as much attention to all four of those and so often when we talk about love even in 2019 we're really only talking about one or possibly two things
1: yeah and I still think that a lot of our mainstream film is still really just about erotic love and not about friendship we'll right. talk about that in, in our class a little bit I think you're right and one of the things I miss in the Harry Potter films right is you lose that daily you know in school rhythm of friendship you know, and that are in the, in the books um, and, and then, and the films that just kind of, you know, um, it's just rushed. However, the lesson that they have to learn in Harry Potter is one of friendship, right?
8: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Is that something what you were going to say, Trevor, or?
6: Yeah, I think the um, thing about Harry Potter and friendship is I, I, that's one of the most appealing parts to it. And I think that one of the reasons why it's been so popular is the fact that there are these close friendships and not just, you know, Hermione and Ron, um, and mm-hmm. uh, Harry there's this very poignant scene that always makes me cry a little bit when we learn that Neville Longbottom has been carrying his Dumbledore's army coin with him for you know many many months after the yeah. the um, the army disbanded because he yeah. just yeah. wanted to cling to that that friendship that um, that he had known. Yeah and when and and Fred and George they're
1: brotherhood is more than a brotherhood, right? It's it's clearly uh, a case as Neville with uh, a bunch of exclamation marks, the real hero of the series. I think Fred and George are more than just brothers, they're friends. Now uh, Kay notes here uh, about the appealing nature of friendship that goes beyond gender, that we have this kind of hunger uh, there. Um, uh, Noam says that some of what uh, makes these friendships is that the people stay together in close quarters. Yeah, there's kind of, there is kind of a trap thing. And Noam also noted Spartans, which is in the 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 lectures uh, series of Four Loves. Lewis notes that. You know a, a lot of the you know the great um male friendships of history would have had an erotic element uh to it beyond the friendship and um there there is that there well you know he, here we are uh we're at the end of the time i want to honor the time so so that we can be done here i just want to uh thank everybody and uh just, just Uh, give a couple of notes Uh, notes here uh, if you haven't connected with signum University or Mythgard Academy Mythgard Academy has a ton of free uh, academic level resources that help us read well and read deeply so I encourage you to take a look at that uh, look at those things including a bunch of things um, from (laughs) cases thank goodness we were able to entirely figure out human relationships tonight yeah it was good it was good night Um, uh, including professor uh, uh, Corey Olson and his uh, token stuff uh, so that's in Mythgard. Uh, if you're interested, um, I think Sigam University, uh, I, I, get, I don't get paid to say this, but I get paid occasionally, uh, is uh, just this amazing experiment and deep reading and interconnected intersectional reading that brings life and text together with society, culture, uh, fan culture, geekdom, and the things that we love to do. If you're interested, reach out to me by uh, email or through Twitter or something, and and just make, make sure that if you want to plug in um as a listener as a student as a volunteer then then you have a chance to do that uh there will be more of these uh this one was kind of a bit ad hoc i don't know if there'll be more open classes like this but the, there are signum symposia on the way throughout the year where we'll have uh different events uh, including our normal is it in october or november where we have kind of like we break out all over the place with signum university and do kind of some special events whenever uh possible yeah so uh thanks to you all thanks to gabriel who sat uh, in the wings, um sort of our top gun uh uh reboot, uh Signum style kind of moment here to make sure that everything uh went well and thank you everyone for um respecting uh one another uh with even with hand grenades uh hand grenades in the room right so uh and you should all think of the song hand grenade as we sign off here it's a good good love song right uh, terrible uh, great pop love song so all right thanks everyone and uh, we'll we'll see you on the other side take care